You ready for a word? Are you ready for a word? Good, good. So whether you are watching me online or in the building, we are excited today. We are uh, this week and next week. We're going to wrap up our series entitled Living to a T. Living to a T. It is a series that we have done on stewardship. On stewardship. What does that word mean? It just simply means taking care of what we have. And so we want to make sure that we are taking care of the totality of the life that God has entrusted to us. Okay, and we want to make sure that we're doing that. The stewardship is how you take care of that. And we said, listen, that there are six T's to stewardship. Six T's. Run through them real quick, right? First one was tithe, to give the first 10% of your income back unto the Lord. You give to the Lord through the local church. You don't give to the church per se. You don't give even to a pastor per se. You give to the Lord through the local church to get to take care of your treasure, okay? That's the rest of your stuff, okay, that we are to think generationally and that we are to think eternally. We talked about talents, that this is why you have to serve in this house and in the community because we need to use the gifts God has given us to bring him glory. Uh, Two weeks ago, we talked about time. Ain't nobody got time for that. We need to surrender every single day back unto the Lord. All right, here we go. Today, might step on your toes a little bit. It's all right. You'll be okay. Today is an area everyone thinks about, everyone talks about, but nobody wants to deal with until they have to. And we're going to go there. John chapter 2, verse 19. Here we go. Tap or turn. Okay. Whatever you, whatever you got. If you paper Bible, God bless you. Here we go. John chapter 2, the gospel according to John fourth gospel of the New Testament, chapter 2, right at the beginning. We're going to read three verses of Scripture, John, or four verses of Scripture, John chapter 2, verse 19. It's on the screen as well. Here we go. It says this, all right, Jesus replied, destroy this temple, and in three days, I'll raise it up. What? They exclaimed. It has taken 46 years to build this temple. And you can rebuild it in three days. But when Jesus said this temple, he meant his own body. After he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered what he had said. And they believed both the scriptures and what Jesus had said. I want to tag this text with this title, Temple Run. You may be seated. Temple Run. If you haven't caught it, our fifth T is temple. Our fifth T is temple. In the early 2000s, a game was released on several phone and device platforms. It was a game that definitely was completely counterintuitive to everything we learned two weeks ago. It was a game that definitely would eat up your time if you were playing it, and it was called Temple Run. Name of the game was Temple Run, and the object of the game was simply this, to run until you die. 
That's it. That was the whole point of the game. You had this character, you could earn other characters, and you would run. And there were various and multiple iterations of the game, but every single iteration was the same. You were running from someone or something and trying to avoid someone or something. All you were to do was to run until you die. I mean, everything from demon monkeys to people could be chasing you, you jumping over lava and fire and bricks and all of this stuff. And kids would go crazy and hack it. I remember my son would hack the game, leave it on the counter, and it would just run for hours as he stacked up coins. And I'm like, what is the point of this? Run until you die. Just keep going until you die. So much so that it was even eventually revealed there is no end to this game. It is unlimited. The levels are unlimited. As long as you can keep running, you can keep going. Here it is again. The game was about running until you die. Unfortunately, too many of us are living our lives the same way. We are treating our temples the same way that we are literally running until we die. We are willing to run our temples until they are devoured, damaged, or destroyed. We are constantly pushing the limit. And here's the problem with pushing the limit that you eventually find out what that limit is. And our temples, just like everything else, has to be stewarded. In John chapter 2, Jesus is explaining what the temple is. If you understand what has happened here, he has uh, left the wedding in Cana. He has gone to Capernaum. He walks into the temple. They are manipulating the sacrifices and the exchange rate of the currency in the house of the Lord. He has a problem with that. They were supposed to buy things in this place but not be manipulated or extorted, which is happening. And he flips the tables over, grabs a whip, drives them out. And the Pharisees and the crowd is indignant about how in the world do you feel like you have that kind of power and responsibility to do this? And he tells them, because if you tear down the temple, I'll build it up in three days. They're tripping because they know how long it took to build this edifice, this building. And he's trying to explain to them, listen, what I'm talking about is my body. This becomes a foreshadow to his crucifixion. But he's saying, listen, the temple is my body. Let me help you with this. There is a story of a little boy who was in class one day. He bell rings. He runs down the stairs with his backpack on, and he gets in the car with his mom. And he says, Mom, we had a discussion about God today in class. She said, really? He said, yes, we had a discussion about God. Mommy, I have a question for you. And she said, okay. He he said, Mommy, can you show me where God lives? Uh, mom smiled and looked in the rearview mirror at her son and said, put your seatbelt on. I'll be happy to show you. Uh, they pull off from the school, and as they're driving home, they, they live in an area where they see this scenic view off the edge of a cliff where the sun is shining bright. The clouds seem like it's in the shape of the face. The water is blue in front of them, and the little boy says, aha, that must be where God lives. And the mom says, no, 
They keep driving. They go a little farther, and they pass this beautiful old Victorian-style church that has the architecture, the artwork, and, and the arches. And the little boy says, aha, mom, does God live here? And she says, no. They keep driving and pass a contemporary-style building, the box with the lit-up sign and all of the activities, the flags on the outside. Mom, does God live here? No. They pass the storefront church that's between the donut shop and the cleaners, the one where the people are just getting started, but their heart is all into it. And before he can ask, mom says, not there either. They're going down their road and see the country church off in the distance, the small white chapel with the steeple on top. And mom says, no, not there either. They get home and now he's upset. Now he's a little frustrated. Mom, I asked you 20, 30 minutes ago, where does God God live. You said you would show me where God lives. We've passed so many places. You didn't answer my question. She turns the car off and gets her son out the car, grabs him by the hand and walks in the house. They go upstairs to his bedroom and she picks him up, stands him on his dresser, has him look in his mirror and says, son, do you see that person? Yes, that's where God lives. Because in case you don't know, the Lord lives in us. When you understand a dictionary definition of temples, you understand buildings for the worship of local or national gods. Temples are the center for worship and sacrifice. The church, the church is seen as the temple of God. But here's what you need to get. We are the church. We as the church, our bodies are seen as a temple. I got Bible for you. Take notes. All of the notes and scriptures on the YouVersion Bible at Acts chapter 17, verse 24 says this. He is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples. In 1 John chapter 4, verse 12, he says this, No one has ever seen God, but if we love each other, God lives in us. And his love is brought to full expression in us. And God has given us his spirit as proof that we live in him and he in us. Now hear me, so if God made us and lives in us, then we need to take care of us. Uh-oh, here we go, it's about to get tight. God made your body so he could live in your body and then use your body so he could build up the body. Press pause, rewind, press play, say it again. I need you to get it. God made your body so he could live in your body and use your body to build up the body. Okay, in case you still haven't gotten it, the temple is your body. The body, by dictionary definition, is used in Scripture in both a metaphorical and physical sense. Okay, so that means it is susceptible to sin and to suffering, but it is expected to be given to God in worship, and then prayerfully, right, we are hoping and looking forward to it being transformed in eternity. 
That's why Romans chapter 12, verse 1 says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all He has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind He will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship Him. Okay, because here we go. You can't contribute to God's kingdom without a body. No one ever fulfilled purpose on earth bodiless. There has always been a need to cover and care, both of those, to cover and care for the body. You see it from the beginning to the end. When you look at Adam and Eve, when Adam and Eve fall, there is a concern for the body. They, they are naked, they are frolicking, they are happy, they are then deceived and disobey. They eat the fruit and they fall. And the Bible says they immediately grab fig leaves, sew them together to cover themselves. God is so concerned about them that he doesn't leave them with temporary fragile covering. The Bible says that he takes off the fig leaves and covers them with something better. Genesis chapter 3, verse 21. And the Lord God made clothing from animal skins for Adam and his wife. Has anybody ever asked the question, which animal did he kill to get the skins? I'll let you think on that on y'all. Even after falling, he cared for their body. Keep going. The children of Israel leave Egypt. They end up in the wilderness 40 years. We're talking about a desert, destitute, deserted place. They are wandering through everything. They are walking through sand. And Deuteronomy 29.5 says this, For 40 years I led you through the wilderness, yet your clothes and sandals did not wear out. The Lord cares for your body. Listen, Jesus himself, God rather, himself, came in bodily form through Jesus in order to redeem the bodies that rejected the form that God gave them to begin with. Our temples, our bodies are important, and we have to care for them. Uh, my wife and I, we have been to some places. You ever been to a place? I have. I'm thinking of some place right now. You ever been to a place that it was so nasty you didn't want to sit down? I mean, like, not just I don't want to stay long. I don't even want to sit down to give you the inclination that I am comfortable being here. This is just disgusting. I don't want to do that. I don't, I'm sorry. It's so good to see y'all. I need to go. Don't make the Holy Spirit feel that way about you. Here we go. This in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 18 says this, Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Repeat, you do not belong to yourself. Run from sexual sin. No other sin so clearly affects the body as this one does, for sexual immorality is a sin against your own body. For God bought you with a high price, so you must honor God with your body. Hear me well with this. Don't miss everything God wants to do through you because you minimized how much God could do with you because you wouldn't take care of you. 
Be careful. Don't miss everything that God wants to do through you because you minimized how much God could use you because you wouldn't take care of you. And I know, y'all mad, I know Thanksgiving is in 11 days. I know. I get it. I understand that. I'm not here to mess with your thing. Eat what you, I'm going to eat. I'm cooking and I'm going to eat. I'm, it is what it is. What I'm trying to help you with is the other 364 days of your life, though. You have to take care of you. God wants us to steward the temple by which he dwells. He wants us to steward our bodies. And there are two aspects of that. I only have two points technically. I'm going to break them down. But there are only two aspects to taking care of this temple that you need to get. I'll give you both right now. Physical maintenance and spiritual maintenance to your body. Physical maintenance and spiritual maintenance. Here we go. Number one, physical maintenance. The body requires, this is obvious. You're going to have to sit here and take it. The body requires physical maintenance. Okay, uh, there was a gentleman uh, I went to high school with that when we were in the season of, of getting vehicles, we were driving, um, he wanted a high-end car, but he was cheap. <laughs> he was cheap. He wanted a high-end car, but he was cheap. So he went and found uh, an older, used, high-end car that needed some work, and he'd work on it later. But just the fact that he was driving this big engine, fast, nice car, you know, in his mind, he's stunting. He's great. He's flexing on everybody, and, you know, he's got this high-end car. But he was the type of person you didn't want to really ride with, you know. So we would all follow him. We'd be in our own cars. We'd follow follow him. We're going to go to lunch or go eat. And he was also the kind of guy that knew what kind of car he had. So he was the dude to pull up at the stoplight, rev his engine, and race you. Like, that. that's just him. Middle of the street, middle of the day, didn't matter. We're going to hit this block-to-block race, and we're going to go at it. And I was like, yeah, bro, I'm never riding. I like my life too much. I'm never riding with you. But he was cheap. Though he was cheap, so he was putting like regular unleaded gas in this car. He's missing oil changes, and I will never forget this day. We're leaving. This is when I'm in private school. We're leaving. Uh, we're supposed to hit the little frontage road by the freeway. Um, we're just gonna go to Chicken Express. So when he hits that light, he revs up to this guy next to him, and he hits it. Boom! And halfway through the race, his engine blows up. No lie. I can't make this up. Engine blows up. He's freaking out. He jumps out the car. Of course, we got to call 911, the whole shebang, whatever the case may be. Long story short, come to find out, the engine blew up because he cheat. He's not taking care of this vehicle that he has. He's not changing the oil. He's not changing the fluids. He's putting regular unleaded gas in the car, and the car needed premium gas. And I'm like, dude, what is your problem? And this is what the Lord reminded me of. You can't want a luxury life and fill it with regular unleaded material. You can't want a luxury life and just put anything in it. You've got to physically care for your temple. Let's break it down. You already know where I'm going. The first thing you got to do is watch what you eat. That's A. You got to watch what you eat. Yep, let's just go ahead and deal with it because too many of us, we live to eat instead of eating to live. We live to eat. We get excited. I'm that dude. This is whooping me. I'm telling you. You get excited. You smell it, and it's a whole party in your brain about what's getting ready to be consumed. But please understand, what you consume often consumes you. 
I'm not, I'm not about to advocate for any particular diet plan or program. Do what you do. You Weight Watchers or you Jenny Craig or maybe you keto, uh, maybe you vegan or vegetarian or pescatarian or you like me and you sugaratarian. I don't know. All I will say is you've got to pay attention, though, seriously to what you eat. Because the issue isn't that Thanksgiving is 11 days away. The issue is that we have several Thanksgivings throughout each week. It's just the truth. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 31. So whether you eat or drink, so whether you eat or drink, or whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. Proverbs 25, 27 says this. It's not good to eat too much honey. And it's not good to seek honors for yourself. A person without self-control is like a city with broken down walls. Listen, y'all, one of the things that we discover about Levitical Hebraic food restrictions is how much healthier they were than we are. Now, context, it's online. I'm not telling us to go back to the law. I'm not telling you to be legalistic. What I am telling you is they ate a lot better than we did. In Daniel chapter 1, Nebuchadnezzar has now driven the children of Israel from their home into Babylon. He has taken some of the youngest, strongest, wisest individuals, four of which we know by name, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. You know them maybe as Belteshazzar, Shadrach, Meshach, Abednego. That was their slave names. Their names were Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, Azariah. And when they are getting set up in Nebuchadnezzar, Nebuchadnezzar's uh, courts and in his kingdom, they say, listen, we're going to give them certain amount of food. We're going to give them portions of food from this area, and you need to eat this food. And Daniel goes to the king's servant and says, hey, bro, uh-uh. We're not going to eat this. The Lord is not going to be pleased if we eat this. Let us eat our diet. Let us eat our vegetables, our plants, our grains. Let us eat. He's like, man, I don't know, bro. If you end up weak and scrawny and all that, the king is going to kill me. And he says this. I love this. At Daniel chapter 1, he says, no, test us for 10 days and see if we're not healthier than they are. And in Daniel chapter 1, verse 15, it says, and at the end of 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. Please catch this, tweet it, write it down. Your diet affects your destiny. It's important. You need to understand this. Your diet affects your destiny. Think about the children of Israel again. Can you imagine trekking across a wilderness, crossing Red Seas, moving across Jordan Rivers, being exiled, and coming back, and they were living their lives on fried chicken, homemade tortillas, sugar, and caffeine. Come on, y'all. They'd have never made it. They'd have died 21 days in. It would have been a wrap (laughs) because there is a necessity for moderation. Do everything in moderation. You've got to watch what you eat. Here we go. Second thing, physical maintenance. You know where I'm going. You got to watch your exercise. You got to pay attention to your exercise. You got to move. You got to do something. And I got Bible. This is not me making this up for you. First Timothy 4, 8. Watch the first four words. Physical training is good. Don't run past that. 
Physical training is good. The latter part is important. We'll touch it again. Physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better, promising benefits in this life and the life to come. 1 Corinthians 9, 27, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. Listen what Paul understood. Paul understood how I treat my body could also taint my purpose. So I don't care if it's 15 minutes a day, family. I don't care what it is. If it's 10 minutes a day, start walking do something. Do curls with the milk jugs for all I care. Commit to 10 push-ups three times a week or five push-ups three times a day. You've got to do, use the stand goal on your Apple Watch and get up and move one minute every hour. Use the move goal and find something, but you've got to do something. You've got to take care of this, okay? Thirdly, watch what you eat. Watch your exercise. Watch your energy. This is good. Watch your energy. This is where I'm going uh, to hook two weeks ago to this week. You have to stop giving not only your time, but your energy to things you can't control and were not called to. Because the body follows the mind. Worrying is about only making your body sick and not fixing your issues. Worrying about something isn't solving it. Giving your energy to something you can't control isn't fixing it. You've got to learn and manage your energy. In other words, maybe many of us need to learn to rest or to pause or to stop. Matthew chapter 11, verse 28, then Jesus said, Come to me, all of you who are weary and carry heavy burdens, and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you. Let me teach you because I am humble and gentle at heart and you will find rest for your souls. For my yoke is easy to bear and the burden I give you is light. Listen, if God intentionally created a day to stop and do nothing, why don't we? We need to as well. And I hear you because culture says, grind until you shine. Culture says, I'll sleep when I die. But hear me, if you don't sleep, you will die. That's just science. It just, it just is what it is. You've got to take care of this. You've got to watch your energy. Okay, that's your physical maintenance. Here we go. Number two, spiritual maintenance. Your spiritual maintenance affects your physical body. Catch it. Okay, so here we go. Everything that affects the body is not coming from without. There's a whole lot of it that's being affected from within. Okay, Jesus helps us understand this in Mark chapter 7. In Mark chapter 7, verse 15, he says this, It's not what goes into your body that defiles you. You are defiled by what comes from your heart. In other words, it's not everything on the outside. There's a whole lot of stuff in you that's making you sick. Okay, he says in Ephesians, when it says we wrestle not against flesh and blood, those powers that we are fighting, though, are against our flesh and blood. They're working on the inside, trying to kill us on the outside. Three areas of spiritual maintenance. I'm going to be honest. It's what you eat. It's your energy, and it's your exercise. I'm going to say it another way, though. Here we go. Spiritual maintenance, A, passages. 
In the spiritual, if you're going to be healthy physically, you still have to eat spiritually. You got to watch what you eat physically, but you got to watch what you eat spiritually. Okay, what do you mean? I'm not, I'm talking about you got to eat this book. You've got to eat the Word of God. You've got to consume the Word of God. And hear me, I didn't say devotionals written by other people. I said the Bible, you got to eat this book. Matthew chapter 4, verse 4, but Jesus told him, no, the Scriptures say people do not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 1, the voice said to me, son of man, eat what I'm giving you. What do I need to eat? Eat this scroll. Eat my words. Then go and give its message to the people of Israel because we can't give out what we have not consumed. We will always find ourselves weak when we have no word on the inside of us. Woo, you're going to have to take this. I'm sorry. And hear me. And you need to eat to the point where you realize just like physical food uh, with spiritual food that everything good for you is not going to taste good to you. Oh, yeah, I'm preaching now. I, I, I don't care if you don't want to hear it or you don't agree with it. You need it. I didn't like Brussels sprouts as a kid either, but I had to eat them. You've got to learn how to eat what tastes good and stop skipping scriptures that convict you to do good. Preach, man. You got to eat this book. You got to consume the Word of God, the parts that are difficult, the parts that give you destiny, the parts that make you comfortable, and the parts that convict you. You got to consume the passages. You have to eat this book. Okay, here we go. So you got to watch passages. B, prayer. Prayer. Yep, prayer affects your body because here we go. Remember, your temple, your body is God's house. Your body belongs to God then how are you going to have a house guest in you you never talk to? Prayer is conversation with the Creator. Prayer is a dialogue with the divine. Prayer is me in an exchange with God. So how are you going to invite someone inside of you that you never communicate with? Because prayer isn't what? An expression. It's an exchange. Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. Devote yourselves to prayer with an alert mind and a thankful heart. Okay, why? Because prayer gets you to talk to the person who made you that gives you insight about you. I'm going to say it again. Prayer gets you to talk to the person that made you that can give you insight about you. Okay, no, I, I got testimony about this. My mother, uh, I didn't share this with a bunch of people, but my mother uh, a few months ago uh, had something happen to her that messed me up. My mother a few months ago had just left church. She had left church, they had eaten, and she told this story. She said, I was driving home, and I was praying and worshiping. No lie. I know my mama. I'm, I, I, got, I got the gospel music on, and I was literally talking to the Lord. And when I get to the house, she said, a still small voice said, you're having a stroke. 
She felt nothing, but something told her, hey, you're having a stroke. You need to go to the hospital now. She immediately ran, got some aspirin, called my dad, said, baby, take me to the hospital now. I think I'm having a stroke. She gets to the hospital. By the time she gets there, they give her all the IV, all the stuff they do, and do the scan. They say these words, it looks like something was about to happen, but we can't really see where it happened. I, I think you might, we're just going to give you this just in case. In other words, because she was in communication with her creator, what should have destroyed her, she was alerted to about, and she has no side effects. She was literally talking to the Lord, and he told her to go to the hospital. This is why you got to pray, and I'm going to say it till you get it. I'm not talking about crisis prayer. I'm talking about consistent prayer. You've got to have a relationship with God that says, when I wake up, I talk to you. During the day, I talk to you. Before I go to sleep, I talk to you. When it's good, I talk to you. When it's bad, I talk to you. I have consistent communication with the Creator. Because when it comes to my health, I need to talk to who made me so he can give insight about me. All right, I'm done. Here we go. So you have to have passages. You got to eat passages. You got to watch your, your energy, your prayer, your exercise. Praise. Praise. Praise is good for the body. Worship is good for the body. Remember 1 Timothy 4, physical training is good, but training for godliness is much better. Promising benefits in this life and in the life to come. Proverbs 17, 22, a cheerful heart is good medicine. A happy heart, a blessed heart is good medicine, but a broken spirit saps a person's strength. This is why we read it at the top of the message. Romans 12 teaches us that presenting our bodies is worship. That the act of taking care of the temple is praise. Okay? Presenting our bodies is worship. The act of taking care of the temple is praise. Because, listen, when I take care of me, it speaks well of him. And when I speak well of him and actively praise him, in return, it helps me. Say it again. Listen, when I take care of me, it speaks well of him. And when I speak well of him and praise him, it helps me. Because you can't praise without participation. I'm sorry, I don't care about your personality here, your background, your history, your culture, your age, your mentality. None of that matters. You can't truly praise God and keep still. When Scripture says, let everything have breath, praise the Lord, all of those Scriptures are associated with the clapping of the hands, the dancing of the feet, the raising of the voice, the lifting of the hands. You can't praise God and do nothing. And what happens is the activity of your praise becomes an advantage to your health. <laughs> okay, I'm going to show you this in Scripture. Just mess with me. Here we go. I'm done. Here we go. In Luke chapter 1, uh, Luke chapter 1, uh, we, we like to read it oftentimes during Christmas. 
Luke chapter 1 is the setup for our nativity narrative. And in Luke chapter 1, we meet uh, Jesus' kin before we meet him. And, and we meet two individuals named Zechariah and Elizabeth. Uh, Zechariah is a priest, um, and, and he is now, a lot has been cast. A lot has been cast, and it is his turn and opportunity, stay with me, to go in the temple and worship. You need to understand how big of a deal this is because you could be in the lineage and in the tribe of the priests and never have your lot selected to go in the temple. And so it becomes a major blessing and privilege to be someone with the opportunity to go into the Holy of Holies and burn the incense and the sacrifice and worship God. This is a big deal. They celebrate you when it's your turn. They get excited when it's your turn and opportunity to go in this temple and worship. But here's the catch 22. This is Old Testament, right? Even though it's Luke 1, Jesus hasn't died yet. So this is Old Covenant. And they do understand the law that if Zechariah has sin, though, and he goes into this temple, he's going to die. If he tries to go to this altar and go into the Holy of Holies and go behind the veil, that, and he tries to present this incense, and he's filthy, he will die. And so what history teaches, what Hebraic culture teaches us, is they would take a rope. <laughs> they take a rope and they would tie it around their waist. And they would walk, let them walk into the temple that way. And what would happen is gentlemen would hold on to the rope and they would keep some tension in the rope because if he was dead, you would feel it, right? And what would happen is, watch what happens, a worship party would break out. A praise party would break out because as he walked, he's so overwhelmed with the opportunity, he's worshiping God. Elizabeth, knowing the weight of this, is at home worshiping God. The people in the outer court and the other priests holding the rope are praying to God because they don't want Zach to die. Oh, my God. Listen, you're going to get it in a minute. There were a part, literally a party breaks out. They begin to shout and to worship and to praise. And Zach goes in the temple and he begins to present the incense. And the Bible says, hey, you remember Elizabeth with the health issues? You remember Elizabeth whose body would not produce? Because you were willing to worship, I'll heal her womb. Their worship was attached to her womb. That listen, when they made a decision, to keep honoring God no matter what, to praise God through any circumstance, their praise changed their health. How powerful that is, that it wasn't some magic cure. There was no in vitro. They didn't have to do any of that. They got on their face before the Lord, and because they worshiped him, he healed their body. This is why you've got to be willing to praise God. You've got to be willing to get out of your comfort zone and give God true worship. You've got to be willing, and I'm not just talking about in here, that would be nice, but I'm talking about anywhere because Elizabeth was at the house and because her and her husband were willing to go before the throne of grace. And here's the best part for you, you ain't got to wait on your lot to be cast. 
You ain't got to wait on permission to go in the temple. You don't have to wait on any of that. Jesus died and tore the veil from top to bottom that when you wake up, you can worship him. At your job, you can worship him. In your car, you can worship him. You can praise God wherever you are, whenever it is, and your worship because some, some becomes something to change your health. You've got to steward your temple. So enjoy your cuisines. Enjoy them. But not at the expense of your health. Don't run until you die. Don't spend your life running from something, trying to avoid something until you die. Take care of your temple. Get off of the temple run and say, God, you can have my body and I'll steward it. I'm not asking you to be anybody else. I don't care what Instagram shows you. I'm not talking about being a fitness model. I'm talking about God, I'm going to take better care of me. I'm going to make a decision that maybe there's something I'm going to stop doing. I'm going to stop eating. Maybe there's something I'm going to start doing and start eating. I'm going to take a step today to say, Lord, I want to live as long as you really have planned for me to live so I can accomplish everything you've called me to do. That I won't discount, I won't diminish, and I won't destroy my destiny because I didn't have self-control every head bowed, every eye closed. But listen, you, you obviously will not have the conviction to steward your temple until you fully relinquish and realize that your temple, your body belongs to the Lord. That you gotta make a decision today to say, man, I, I, I gotta get off this hamster wheel of life and submit my life to the creator, to submit my life to the one who made me. And maybe for some of you, whether you're watching me online or you're in this room today, maybe the decision for you in regards to your temple is saying, Lord, here I am, take me. Maybe you've never made that decision. You talk about a healthy spiritual and physical decision. Maybe you've never made that decision to make Jesus your Lord and your Savior, the King of your life. Now is the opportunity. Let's not wait another moment. Now is the perfect day for you to make that decision. Why make it? Because listen, God will give you abundant life on this earth and eternal life with Him. And that doesn't mean necessarily millions and all of that or that there's no pain or persecution. But listen, it aligns you with heaven. It hooks you back up with home. It puts somebody in your corner who goes before you and fights the battles and stands with you. And then there is that great day where we are caught up together. That's in eternity with Jesus forever. No pain, no suffering, no mourning, no grief, where there's a reconciliation of the family of God. You don't want to miss that. And so if that's you, if you need to make a first-time decision for Jesus Christ today, wherever you are, in the sound of my voice, whatever city you're in, whatever seat you're sitting in, if that's you, I would encourage you to raise your hand today. Just raise it high. If you're in the chat, put a hand raise emoji. I see you. I see you. Put a hand raise emoji. Put me. Put something. Raise your hand. Make a decision today for Jesus. 
And so listen, if you have your hands raised, listen, here at Impact City, we are family, as we say. We are a family, and we are not going to let you pray or walk this out or make this decision by yourself. Today is going to be the best day of your life. And so listen, we have a prayer, a simple prayer, easy as ABC, where you're going to A, admit, B, believe, C, confess. It's a simple prayer. It's a weighty decision. I'm already warning you, this does not erase your issues, but this does partner you with the presence of God. This does put Jesus on the inside of you, and this is going to be a monumental movement in your life. And so we're going to pray with you. We're going to lift our voices together. And so Impact City, you know how we do as loud as we can. If you got your hand raised, please pray with us. Say this out loud. Repeat this after me. Dear Lord Jesus, thank you for coming down just for me. I admit I am a sinner in need of a Savior. I believe you are Jesus, the Son of God who died and got up with all power in your hands. And I confess you as Lord, as Savior, and King of my life. In your name, Jesus, amen. Come on, let's give God some praise today. Those who made a decision for Jesus today, God, we bless your name. We thank you. And so listen, if you made that decision, if you made that decision today, I want to encourage you before you leave, if you are in this room, stop by that next step, that big, beautiful purple banner to my right, your left, that you would stop by there and you let them know, hey, I made a decision for Jesus today. And they can talk to you about your next steps. They can talk to you about baptism, about church involvement, about what it looks like to serve and grow and continue to mature in Jesus. If you're online, email email info, I-N-F-O, at impactcity.cc. What do you put in the subject line? Salvation. You can put decided. You can put decision. And let somebody know, hey, I want somebody to pray with me. I, I want to talk to somebody because I made a decision for Jesus. Well, listen, I want to pray for you. we got something more to share with you, um, so hold tight. But I do want to pray for you today, uh, as we've always done. I, I gave you a challenge, right? Tithing, tithe. Just that simple. you got to trust God. It's an act of faith to step out on faith to give God your first 10%. Your treasures, you got to think generation. You got to think beyond you. You got to make a decision. What do I need to let go of and what do I need to store up? We talked about talents. I'll make the ask again. You need to serve. If you're not serving in any capacity here or out there, you need to do both. Time. Discipline your time. I told you, get the calendar app or organizer something. Okay? And now temple, you got to do something with your body. I know, Thanksgiving is coming, that's fine, but tomorrow, don't eat like it's two Thursdays from now. We got to do better. You got to watch your energy. You got to pray. You got to eat this book. You got to worship. You got to take care of you. Hands lifted. Let's pray today. God, I thank you for your people. I thank you for the heart of your people who are here, who are listening, who are online, who are in the room. God, we're so grateful that regardless of where we are, you're also there. That we can never flee from your presence. Where can we go? If we go to the highest of heights, you're still there. If we go down to the depths, you're still there. If we ride on the wings of the dawn, you're still there. God, you're so big, you're meeting us from where we're coming from. And so in this moment, manifest your presence in our lives. 
that you would show up, God, my prayer is specific, that you would show up in this temple, that you would remind us that this house is your house, that we belong to you. And so, God, I first pray for healing for everyone who is suffering from an ailment. I don't care if it's joints or tissues, if it's muscle aches or spasms, if it's as bad as COVID or cancer, sickle cell or lupus, diabetes or arthritis, you are a God who can heal. There is no name greater than the name of Jesus. And so God, we know that all sickness and manner of disease has to bow to you. And we don't pray for outcomes. We pray out of obedience because you told us, pray for the sick to be healed and trust you to do the rest. And so God, However and whenever you choose to heal, we're just grateful you're a healer. We're just grateful that you can look at our body and line the body back up. God, from every heart and valve and artery and gland and organ, God, you can renew and restore. Heal us today. I thank you for healing eyes today and bladders and livers. I thank you in the name of Jesus. You're healing kidneys and hearts today. Somebody's wondering why their hair is falling out. You're a healer. Somebody's eyes have been painting them. You're a healer. Somebody's stomach has been in pain. You're a healer. You're a God who cares about our body. For you were wounded for it. You let your body be broken so that we could be made whole. And then, God, I pray for our health, that we may be feeling fine in this season. Let us steward what you gave us. Let us watch what we eat, that we'd watch the physical food we eat, and that we would consume Scripture. That, God, that we would watch our energy, that we would rest and we would pray. And that we would watch our exercise, that we would move and that we would worship. Give us that conviction today. Give us that heart today to do something to say, God, I want to live as long as you want me to live so I can do everything you want me to do. And so, Lord, we thank you today that you would cover and touch bodies, that you would heal, and that you would give health. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Let's give God some praise today.